That's gonna be real fun to listen to. I can't wait for you. The waveform looks like a double prong dildo. I can't wait to. Oh my god! But I can't wait to uh, Paul stretch that. To what that? Um, it's called Paul stretching. It's an effect where you like elongate it. You know that like. Have you ever heard that thing where it's like they slow down the audio, but it somehow feels like it's right. getting louder? Yeah. Um, it makes everything so sound hearing... like it's falling down a well, basically. So instead of it'll be like. Yep, except it'll feel, it'll sound like somebody's like really trying to scream while doing it, and it's really strange. I love that. I love sound technology. Should we just start over? Um, I hope you know I'm probably going to at least include some of that. Oh, especially okay. your little 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 little. Because, like, as a good ending thing, I kind of want to do that and actually Paul stretch it. Oh, okay. As a callback. Do you want to just start over in the same thread then? Uh, sure. <clears throat> Ladies, gentlemen, all those outside and in between, I am your co host, Connor Renfro, and this is Violet Knight. It's me, your other co host, the co host to Connor Renfro, the one who introduced me. So gather round and listen to our tale about the finale of Bojack Horseman. Yes, the full-blooded centaur, as in he's full horse, that is, even though he's also a man. I always thought he was more man than a horse. I mean, is he more horse than a man or more man than a horse? Who can say? We should ask Group Love that question. We should ask Group Love that question. We should also participate in Group Love sometime. Maybe at our Violet. maybe at our first con, Margins Con twenty forty. I was thinking more like VidCon or something, but okay. Oh, when you said our con, I thought it was like um, a from the margins convention. Oh, I meant specifically. I said our first con, and probably didn't get picked up. I mean, you did say that, and I knew that's well. I didn't know that's what you meant, but I heard everything you said. Oh, gotcha. Okay, I just didn't understand. Boy, guys, can you tell why we're not at the big leagues yet? Why is it that every time we try to do a BoJack episode, it fails? In case anybody hasn't known, um, which I don't think they would know, we actually have tried to do an episode about BoJack Horseman before, but uh, the truth is Connor and I got a little bit... um, We don't drink before every episode by any means whatsoever. I do. But for some reason, we decided to... Okay, Connor does. But we both decided to for that episode, and um, we went on like a half an hour diatribe about the restaurant Fuddruckers, <gasps> and we started just listing where Fuddruckers were in different states around the country. <laughs> Wait a second. I literally wrote our introductions into the outline to make this easy for us. And yet we still fail. These things aren't entirely scripted, but we do have a general outline just to help us keep on track for some episodes, especially when we have points we want to get across. Yeah, because we just ramble way too much. We do. We will talk your ear off, which is why we have a podcast show. Violet, who is your favorite character on BoJack Horseman? See, the problem with having an outline is I didn't actually think about the outline answers to the questions. So, uh, if I'm going purely on instinct, I think my favorite character might actually be... Oh, shoot. Is it Diane or is it Princess Carolyn, actually? Um, I think maybe Princess Carolyn, believe it or not, because she... She's dynamic. She cares about everybody. She has a little bit more of a... She's not self-destructive in the same way that other characters on the show is. She's got her own problems, mind you, but 
as somebody who has for most of their life been convinced they have to do it all and be the best at everything, I really do relate to Princess Carolyn as a character. So maybe Princess Carolyn. She's at least up there, if not my favorite favorite. You know she's from North Carolina, right? I do know, but I can't remember where. I think it's in the Winston-Salem area. Or Greensboro. I think it's Greensboro, and I don't remember why. Maybe. No, it's Greensboro. Looking it up. Because she mentions the greater Winsboro County. Yeah, she mentions Greensboro. Yes! Oh my god! I remembered! Yeah, so... That's where roommate Kyle is from. I think this is the first time we've mentioned roommate Kyle on the podcast. No, in the first episode I mentioned stabbing him and his brothers in the back to get us in court. <gasps> That's right. Never mind, you're right. God, the first episode feels like such a long time ago and it's only been a little while. I'm really glad you chose Princess Carolyn as your favorite character because my favorite character is Diane. I knew you'd and, say that. Yeah. And it's not because I think she's like the best written or anything. In fact, many fans hate her because they're misogynist. Anyway, I don't care if she's exceptionally well, exceptionally well written or anything. I like Diane because I see myself in her and whenever she's on screen, that's when I'm the most excited and invested. I want to see her the most and that's how I know she's my favorite and I can't really justify it. I mean, frankly, she does have a lot of redeeming qualities to her. She's a very well, you said she is a well-written character at least I think so. And a lot of her struggles are things that I know you and I personally have talked about being able to relate to. Right. Being born Vietnamese, it's yes, hard. Yes, Connor, Connor is the most Vietnamese person I've ever met, frankly. But I did used to drive a white Prius. That's my connection to Diane. And I also was a depressed writer who eventually got a big break by writing teen youth novels, which is not true at all. It could be. Could be. We'll see. Once you finish your novel. I know. The BoJack Horseman season six and series finale aired on January 30th, the Friday? I thought it was the 31st. The 31st. I'm going to start over. Right. The BoJack Horseman season six and series finale aired on the 31st of January. I woke up at 8 a.m. even though I had stayed up the night before drinking and recording podcast episodes with Violet. I made myself a very big breakfast and I watched all eight episodes before rushing to my psychoanalysis appointment. Violet, what was your experience? Um, My experience was I was editing the episode over the night. And so I was asleep until about like 11 or noon that morning. And I remembered all of a sudden, oh, wait, the new, like the second half of the season is finally out. I've got to watch it. So I finished editing one of our episodes and said, all right, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to take it all in at the same time. And I watched all eight episodes in the same day uh, with like maybe a 10 minute break somewhere along the way. And um, that's what my experience was watching it. Um, In terms of emotional experience, that's something entirely different. What was your emotional reaction to the show? Um, My emotional reaction to the show is, even though Princess Carolyn is one of my favorite characters, I think one of my favorite conflicts throughout the series has been Bojack's need to relate to Hollyhock, his half-sister. 
as a as a form of redemption for himself. And so that cliffhanger that the show ended with the first half of the season with Hollyhock be getting with Hollyhock discovering that her half brother is actually used to be somewhat of a monster and arguably still is that primed it for a very emotional second half but I there were a few loose ends that I want to talk about in relation to the second half of the series but my emotional reaction is at parts I was excited at parts I was devastated and by the time it was over I just remember sitting there empty listening to the song um Mr. Blue and it's not the hey there Mr. Blue it's a different one altogether but I can't remember the name of it um I just remember listening to the outro theme and thinking I'm so much richer as a person for having gone through the experience of watching this show. You know, I'm not entirely sure I've processed all of my feelings on the finale. Um, I kind of agree. Like it really hit close to home for me in a way I don't really want to get into on here. There was something specific to my experience that triggered me about the finale. (laughs) And um, that's kind of like filled it. Like I've thought about it a lot since then. But the very last episode, you like call to mind the final shot while Mr. Blue plays. And, you know, I don't actually know how I feel about that because I've been so busy thinking about every other aspect of these final eight episodes. Right. So let's break it down, shall we? Violet, which part Um, hit you the hardest? Well, first of all, I found out the song is called Mr. Blue by Catherine Feeney. That's the version it is, if you want to look it up. Catherine Um, Feeney. The part that hit me the hardest, I'm sure she'll appreciate that. But um, the part that hit me the hardest, there were two moments. One, it was the idea that the penultimate episode... Wait, how much spoiler territory are we getting into? We're spoiling the whole damn thing, baby. Spoiling the whole thing? All right, we're good. No spoiler warning in this video. This is your official one. Um, well, yeah. We'll put it at the beginning. We'll put it at the beginning. But, so, the parts that hit me the hardest were the interview where Bojack finally has to confront his history of the way he is related to women. And by related to women, I mean ultimately has... Even though he is a broken person, he has still exercised a level of control over vulnerable women. And he got called out hard on that interview segment. And frankly, it was so fucking necessary because following his exploits, you see that he's trying to be a good person but keeps failing, even if his failures are by his own fault. But... That interview scene just, it was so necessary because in an age where people blatantly idealize Rick Sanchez from Rick and Morty just blindly without really analyzing him as a true character, the audience needs to be reminded that Bojack has done some really fucked up things and he doesn't just get to pretend it doesn't happen. He can try to move past it and be better, but he still has to acknowledge that these things did happen. Um, so that's one of the parts that hit me the hardest. Uh, two, not necessarily in order, but Diane's struggle with being depressed and trying to write her book, that is something I've had the exact experience of um, with my own writing. And I do write relatively prolifically, not typically novels, but 
I still have had that exact same experience of sitting down to write. A whole day goes by and you just have this empty feeling of failure and grief. Um, and finally, I also, I was just hit so hard by the penultimate, penultimate episode where Bojack is on the verge of dying in his pool. And the experience of going through death and having to reconcile all these people that you've lost in your life and what they're doing in their post-mortem existence, or at least their projected post-mortem existence. Um, I won't go into it right now, but that part struck me very, very hard because this is a really not fair cliffhanger that I'll discuss in another episode, but I kind of have had a dream very similar to that experience and, um, it brought back a lot of weird feelings. I'm glad you brought up the interview with Biscuits Braxley. I couldn't remember her name. Thank you. It was Biscuits. Biscuits Braxley, the chinchilla. Um, I really liked everything you said about that. And I know I told you myself that... Um... What the fuck is happening on your end? It's really hot in my room, so I have to keep my window open, and there's some fucking people screaming outside. Is the mic picking them up? Yes, it's picking them up. I have my earbuds in, and I can hear them. Shut the fuck up, people. I need to move. I just want to move so bad. I'm so sorry. This is going to be so weird. All right, well, I'll start my part over, so you can just cut it out. No, oh that needs to stay in. It's... It's funny. It's just horrible and stupid. <sighs> Fucking people. Isn't it like freezing cold outside? Yeah, go figure. <laughs> anyway. It's January in Denver. I mean, February in Denver. It's February, you dumb bitch. Shut up. It was just 2019. And then watch this episode like get released in March. And I'm like screaming at you that it's February. Anyway. Hey, in my editing schedule, it's going out in February. Oh, love you. Love you. So anyway, I really love that interview with Biscuits because the show's like point of view is so close to BoJack that I, for one, did not notice how toxic all these relationships were. Like, I always knew at the end of the day, BoJack thought he was a good person. He was always trying his best. And at the same time, he's realizing this pattern. I'm also realizing the pattern. And I consider myself to be, like, woke and progressive and stuff, but I also still needed an external agent to point out to me a pattern of abuse. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. The part also, that hit me the I just hardest... remember the... Ex- hmm? Sorry, the delay is really fucking with us today. Um. Oh, Jesus. I was just going to mention, I you said nobody's perfect. I was going to say nobody's perfect. And also, I forgot what it was like to watch at the very beginning of the series versus at the end of the series. Because at the beginning of the series, everything he does is ob- like obviously terrible and un- and very problematic. But over the course of the series and seeing what he goes through, you kind of forget that after a while. Right. Because I know at the beginning, it's kind of like um, family guy-ish humor. Like, you don't take it seriously. Until the show starts taking itself seriously. Right. Um, but, so what were the impactful episodes or moments in the series for you? Or at least the final season? I mean, you brought up the penultimate episode. Of course that hit me the hardest. That's the epi- That's kind of the episode that triggered me. It was really the last episode talking about the penultimate episode that triggered me. Um, 
But I mean, no, it was the penultimate episode was the most impactful. When Secretariat is reading the poem, The View from Halfway Down, I was like, oh, my God, God. That, that was so good. My gut had already sunk so much. But then he's reading that and I'm just like sinking lower and lower into the couch. Like, oh my gosh. I think that was one of the best written episodes of anything ever. Like that, the moment when he's reading that poem struck me harder than most horror movies I've watched in a long time. It was just this emotional terror because you knew what was about to happen and he did too, but he still had to just keep going. Right. Also, I kept thinking when I was listening to it, part of me was also thinking, I was like, man, I wonder how much like and more impactful this would sound if Charles Bukowski was reading it. That reference is lost on me, love. Bukowski like the poet? Yeah. Oh, well, never mind then. Do you want to explain it for our audience? Uh, Bukowski's a poet from America who is really just regarded for his very uh, direct, gritty, kind of, dare I say, depressing realism in his like he has a very negative take on the world and he writes in a style that reflects that very similar to the humor of bojack that's very nihilistic in nature and i kept thinking man this would be like a really good thing for him to read except i mean for the fact that he's no longer with us did he kill himself no he was he didn't even get discovered until he was already way older up there in age um i think Um, i think he was in his 90s when he died back in the 90s um yeah, B- anyway. Bukowski died in 94, and he was also, he's German-American. What day in 94? March 9th. So there's a chance that literally everybody I know could be his reincarnation. Possibly, especially if they're sad and generally bitter, but also good at writing. Violet. Don't start this. <laughs> you were born in June. Yes. Do you think his soul could have, like, gone through the whole, like, paperwork process and been reincarnated by your birthday? Before I even comment on that, I do want to do an episode in the future talking about reincarnation, so. Violet. What? Which main character did we not see enough in these last eight episodes? Oh, um, in the last eight episodes, what character did we not see? I think we saw, frankly, I don't think we saw enough Mr. Peanut Butter. I was going to agree I think with Mr. Peanut you. Butter, obviously they wrapped... Yay, look at us on the same page. Um, Mr. Peanut Butter is a unique character to be sure, but at the same time, I feel like his relationship with Pickles was wrapped up a little too conveniently. Granted, it was done in a mature way and he did still have a good character arc and he learned and grew as a like character. That phone call he had with Diane after he got his book published was really heartwarming to see that they both were happy where they were and recognize the value that each played in their own life but i think they needed to give him more screen time he was such a big influence in the earlier seasons that it kind of felt like he was shoved to the side in the latter half right um especially because his development was actually something i was interested in seeing as a diane myself um i know my fair share of mr peanut butter's And as much as it's popular to hate him, a part of me does love him. And I wanted to see him grow and be better. And he did, you know. Right. There were some fan theories that he was going to descend while Bojack ascended and they would just switch places. 
But in the end, he like truly did grow and show maturity. Um, he and Pickles never needed to be together. I'm glad that they ended up not together. Agreed. I'm glad she left him for Gen Z sensation Joey Pogo. Wait, are you talking about the Generation Z sensation Joey Pogo and social media star? Violet? Yeah? Did you ever get the sense that Joey Pogo was a trans man? You bet your ass I did. It didn't help that like he was voiced by Hilary Swank, who was also the star in Boys Don't Cry. And I was like, oh my god, I wait a minute. Um, because Hilary Swank, if you haven't seen that movie, definitely check it out. It is an emotional bombshell of a movie. But Hilary Swank plays a trans man in that movie. And this is during a time when transgender issues were not talked about at all. Well, ignoring the idea of, like, a cis person playing a trans person. Which, yeah, granted, is problematic, but I will say at least it was one of the first movies that actually got people to acknowledge in public eye that, hey, this is actually an identity that exists. Also, wow, you did your research. I didn't even know who played Joey Pogo. I just looked at, like, his character design and thought, whoa, that is, like, distinctly trans-masculine. Indeed, I was... I, frankly, I kind of think that it worked well that they never address it or make it into a big deal, which I know we're kind of doing it now. But in the show, the fact it was so downplayed that that was what was happening, or at least I think that's what was happening, that I don't know. It it was a good little bright spot to the final season. It was a great little tiny representation. Like in the first half of the final season, Joey Pogo is introduced... I didn't know it was Hilary Swank, but I knew it was a like a, a voice actress playing this male character who was kind of Justin Bieberish, but also like you know, just like feminine enough to wonder like hmm, what is like the best, most politically correct way to say this? Like there were markers there to tell you that this person like transitioned. Right. Right? Like this person was not designated male at birth. Connor, first of all, I agree with you, but I'm also wondering if I'm agreeing because he designated a lot of stereotypes that are traditionally like a higher voice or a more feminine face. I like don't know how to really say it without like, am I stereotyping him? Um, also, you said that he was very Bieberish. Yeah. I literally looked up Hillary Swank, Joey Pogo, and the first article says is joey pogo from brojack based on a real person he's very he's very bieber-esque oh lord you are very much on the you are tapped into the mainstream my dear well i mean joey pogo is supposed is like explicitly a gen zer right um justin bieber was born in between you and me which makes him a millennial indeed sorry uh, <laughs> just kidding um Wait, hold on. I lost my train of thought. Okay, so I think, like, transness aside, you know, take that out of the equation. Joey Pogo represented, like, some kind of Gen Z, like, vapid, tech-heavy, social issue-driven, yet still too naive to really know what they're championing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and truly... Like, the conversation is difficult to have because it was a cartoon and not live action. Because an artist had to intentionally render 
this character and code them as trans. They couldn't, you know, just make like a cis male character, right? Right. And then tell us they were trans because none of this is text. This is all subtext. Right. Um, because it's not like a live action, because we can't just look at the actor and know like, oh, they're trans, so their character is also trans. We have to look at this drawing, which uses coding, which normally involves stereotypes. And we have to understand like, oh, this is a trans character. Gotcha. But at the same time, those are all good points. Um, I actually just looked up Raphael Bob Waxberg's tweet talking about the official like canonical gender identity of Joey Pogo and somebody commented on whether or not he was non-binary by chance and Raphael Bob Waxberg was just like no he's not he's a man like in just period and I agree with the idea of it being such a statement thing so if he's trans at all he's trans binary but right binary trans exactly but it also makes me like the blatantness of Raphael Bob Waxberg makes me almost wonder if he just wasn't intentionally written to be coded as transmasculine, or if Bob Raphael Bob Waxberg's actually being super progressive in the fact that he's like, there's no gray line. Um, he's a man. Trans men are men. Exactly. Like I can't tell if it's like a, this was unintentional or a trans men are men first and foremost. Period. End of story. Um, it's right. hard to tell. If- if the tweeter had asked him, is Joey Pogo a trans man, he might have answered yes. Right. But because the person asked, are they non-binary, he said, no, he's a man. Right, because even the pronoun usage was strictly male the entire time. Right, like, and that's also something I want to point out. In season six, part two, we see Joey Pogo's nipples. Uh-huh. And... This is, feels weird to talk about, but, like, we never see a female character's nipples, but we see Joey Pogo's. And it almost looks like they're so well-defined that the artist wanted to draw your eye to them. Did you get that same sense? I did get that, that. just me? I did get that, actually. Right? Like... Even the shot composition it, of them being in the uh, pantry of the restaurant was just... It was framed in such a way that you couldn't help but look at them. Right, like... The blanket was over both of their chests, and then it drops down from his when he sits up, but it stays over Pickles. And I didn't see any surgery scars or anything, um, but I like I noticed that there was like distinct pink nipples on Joey Pogo. And it's like, that itself could be a statement. The fact that because he's a trans man no matter what he was designated at birth, these nipples are fe- are male presenting. So they would be allowed on Tumblr. Exactly. I'm glad you caught my reference. Exactly. Trust me. I was. <laughs> I, I still don't use Tumblr just because stuff, reasons. Female presenting nipples. Right. Do your nipples present as female? They do indeed. They don't stop. If anything, I didn't really more think about ever. the implications of that question when I asked you. I just threw it out there. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> mine, pre- um, mine present more often than they used to. I'm kidding. That's not true. Also, Joey Pogo was able to have sex with and sexually satisfy Pickles. Meaning, I guess he had bottom surgery or Pickles isn't 
opposed to a good finger bang. I don't know. Sorry. I'm just thinking out of context, um, that statement. He was successfully able to and able to satisfy, like, have sex with pickles. I mean, I've had sex with cucumbers. Connor, you know that you're not the one editing this, and I could just totally leave that in. You could. I could, and I haven't decided. I'm probably not going to. I mean, we are at the 35-minute mark, and we're only halfway through our outline. You know, you could leave it in, honestly. Your mom listens to, listens to this show. No, she listens to Ren Fair. She oh, doesn't listen God. to From the Margins. Okay. I told her, only listen to the From the Margins episodes I specifically sent her. Gotcha, perfect. And she doesn't know how to work YouTube, so she won't accidentally, like, listen to anything that she doesn't know to look for. Gotcha. Yeah. Beautiful. Love you, Mom. You won't listen to this episode. I'll make sure of it. Violet? So, yeah. Which main character did we not see enough? Wait, fuck. No, we already answered that question. Yep. Violet, what loose ends feel untied? Oh my god. What was in... Uh, Holly Hawk's letter. I need to know what she said that was so powerful and so debilitating that it caused him to consider falling off the wagon and then ultimately have a problem and a relapse. Oh my god, I need to know what did Holly Hawk say? I mean, we get the gist of it. We know that it was ultimately going to be probably her confronting him about what happened in New Mexico and also about how he's really this person that her addressing the fact he may be the person he feared he is this entire time and that by being over obsessed with her time at Wesleyan it came off as creepy and she doesn't want to see him anymore but I need the confirmation of that I wanted to and also after that letter got sent we never saw her again and that really hurt my heart because I was so invested in her as a character I thought she was so such a good addition to the show right like she was such a major part of season four that I thought she would continue to be a main character, but she really was just a recurring side character, truly. Right. And it was sad. I liked her. Like she was in one episode of season five and she featured just as much in season six as every other side character did. Exactly. So I don't know. I feel like if the show was able to go on longer than just six seasons, we would have seen more of her and this development would have happened differently. But I'm not actually that upset with it, you know? Right. For some, I mean, I get that we didn't get to see the full emotional journey, but sometimes no matter how much you love the other person, you have to cut off toxic people. Agreed. And that has to be the end of that story. Agreed. Holly Hawk needed to have her own experience and she needed to have it away from Bojack until Bojack could be healthy enough to be a positive influence. Then if they do naturally reconnect, they do. And if they don't, well, that's both of their choice to make. Yeah. I mean, I'm torn because on one hand, I love the artistry of it. Like, whatever is in this letter... It was enough to make him drink. And we also know that she, like, disconnected her phone. Exactly. And we never saw her again. So we can, like, pretty much guess what it is. At the same time, I do feel like I'm missing out by not seeing her struggle with this decision, 
come to this decision, break down crying with her dads and like realizing she has to cut him off. Right. I wanted to see that too. I wanted to see what it was like for her to find out while she was in New York, while she was visiting her friends to hear at a party about what he had done. And then her like ask around or look up articles online and to confirm in her own mind that Bojack has this reputation that she didn't know about. And then that this person that she was so excited to know she was related to is just another monster. And I wanted to see her reconcile that and come to terms with the idea that she has to cut out this person. that's so important to her for the sake of like helping herself. And we see a little bit of that, but only a little bit by her distancing herself at Wesleyan, but we don't see any of the real, like, we don't see any of the real substantive elements of it. Like you said, talking with her parents about it, talking with her dads, like talking to her friends. Because what happened, the episode that was the mid-season finale, it cuts off while they're on a balcony talking about Bojack. And we don't get to see the end of that conversation. I want to see the end of it. I mean, for me, I just, I wanted to see her come to that decision. The the Wesleyan episodes you mentioned, those were all from Bojack's perspective. Right. I wanted to see Hollyhock learn that her brother is a major abuser and his being a part of his life has never been good for her. Like his mom drugged her. The one time she went back to LA, he like took her on a drug run. Now he's teaching at her school. He's in close proximity with her friends. And she knows that he has had like encounters with 17 year old girls. Like I wanted to see her reach the point where she says, Yes, he is my brother, and yes, I'm the one who sought him out, and I need to cut him off. Right. I wanted to see her react to the interview with Biscuits. I don't really care about the interview with Biscuits. I wanted to, no, I wanted to see her, like, Hollyhock's reaction to having him say these things, and, like, just even a quick cut to her sitting on her bed in her room at college and just listening and just realizing everything that he's done. She... Especially that first interview where it like he comes out as the hero, right? Ah, oh, that would have been right. Such... That would have been good because that is kind of what prompted her to write the letter, right? I thought it was after the second interview. Well, he received the letter after the second interview, but who knows when she actually wrote it? That's fair. I actually would wager a guess that it happened. Like she wrote it, um, possibly before either interview. Oh, maybe. Because by then, she'd already gotten kind of fed up with him at her school. Well, it seems like they had come to an uneasy agreement before the showcase, right? Like It's true, but she could have also done that because she knew that he was going to be a returning figure at the college, and she... Right. She did it to before keep Before he piece. got fired. Right. Violet? Yes. What was the most useless subplot in this finale season? Now, Connor, I think you and I have talked a little bit um, before recording this podcast about it. So you know um, my answer already? I think we both know both of our answers already, and it starts with a T and ends with an odd. <laughs> I agree completely. Yep, Todd has had some good episodes. He's had some good development over the course of the series, but he was entirely vestigial by the time we got to the last season. Can I give my um, unpopular opinion? Give it. 
Todd has always been my least favorite main character. I agree. He's comic relief in a show that didn't need anybody extra for comic relief because everybody else is already funny. Like, everything was already funny, and it really feels like they waited until the very end to give him some kind of drama, to give him some kind of, like, baggage, and yet he gets two episodes to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry, but either the writers did him dirty or the character itself was already just always bad. It's true. I I was very unsatisfied. I felt like he took up screen time that could have been given to other characters to flesh them out more. Which is a terrible thing to say about one of the main characters. Right. Like, there should be no extra time in a final season that was rushed ahead of schedule. There should be no, like... I think, frankly, at most, they could have done it in one episode and, like... If they would have just been like, he found a calling, he found a job, he found um, a relationship with Maude and not mentioned his mom or his stepdad at all, that would have been perfect. Call it done. I completely agree. We knew from season one that his parents threw him out of the house and that literally never came up again until the finale when I guess they decided, well, we mentioned his parents throwing him out. We'd better address it. Also, his last name is... What's his last name? Chavez. Chavez. That's a Latino name. So he must have a Latino adopted father. And my whole thing is like, as soon as you said his last name was Chavez, I just figured he was, you know, Hispanic. Right. Even if he's like, like, even if he's like white Spanish or just like white Latino, I never for a second thought like his skin color was an issue. It's almost more racist to insist that, like, no, you have to be brown to be Latinx, Hispanic. Right. So. Honestly, there's only two parts of Todd's character I can really say that I enjoyed. Um, one is the fact that I love the fact that he would occasionally get in wacky adventures, but not the outlandish ones were really problematic. Not problematic. They were just needless. Um, <laughs> he would occasionally have a really good quip. That was one good character trait. The other good character trait is he's voiced by Aaron Paul, who is also Jesse Pinkman in the Breaking Bad series. And the good part about that is I'm glad to see that Aaron Paul's getting work. I mean, he had like the Breaking Bad movie on Netflix recently. Was that like Los Caminos? I still haven't like I still haven't even finished Breaking Bad. I'm on season two. I'm just now watching it ten years later. I watched two episodes and was bored to death. Sorry, you can boo me, you can throw your popcorn at me, but I don't like hyper-masculine television no, shows. No, trust me, I, I'm not going to boo you, because if I'm being 100% honest with myself, I'm watching it and I don't know why I'm watching it. It's a little intoxicating, but I don't feel invested. I don't know what I'm doing. Well, I also hear, like, by season two, it gets so good. But I'm like, I don't want to go through season one just to get to season two to finally, you know, be invested. I understand. But I don't know, and we don't have to take about, talk about Breaking Bad right now. It's let's not agreed. I've got thoughts on it, but um, yeah. As far as the show goes, I think Todd was he Todd's best episode wasn't even about him. Todd's best episode was probably the one with um the therapist and the mediator who were married, 
or in a relationship, like talking when about When he was dance. a giant hand. Exactly. <laughs> that was my favorite episode with him in it. I hate that. Me too. My dad saw that episode. Really? Yeah, my dad has seen like bits and pieces of BoJack and that's one of the episodes he watched with me. Interesting. Do you want to know my dad's first ever episode of BoJack? Tell me. Free churros. <gasps> All right, I don't you stop right there. Stop in your tracks. I want to come back to talk about free churro before we wrap it up. But I do want to ask our our question that we had next. Oh, okay. Um, probably I'll I'll give a segue when the time comes as to why I want to talk about free churro. But Connor, what happened to the? Here's a question I want you to consider. What do you think happened to the main characters after the credits rolled on that final episode? So all five of them are at Princess Carolyn's wedding. Bojack and Diane are sitting on the roof with an uncomfortable silence because they love each other so much. But Diane has finally drawn that boundary where she said, you're toxic. I can't have you in my life and we need to go our separate ways. And they're just sitting with that uncomfortable realization. Um, I imagine that Bojack will get up He'll climb back in through the window. He'll leave. He'll drive up. Well, he has to go back to prison. He has to finish his sentence. Mm -hmm. um, they're going to put on Hedda Gabler, which is kind of terrifying because that ends with the, like, the principal character killing herself at the end. Mm -hmm. So maybe Bojack kills himself. I don't want to think that's what happens. But um, Diane goes back to Texas. Mm -hmm. With Guy, they're happy. I mean, I I, I think they're going to be happy. Like, Diane's a writer now. She's like a novelist. She's going to be okay. Right. Princess Carolyn, her marriage to Judah seemed a little easy. I mean, I ship it, right? I ship it, but do I buy it? A different question. Agreed. Like... I assume, like, I would have bought it more if there had been, like, a seasons six, seven, and eight. But because there was only seasons, because there was only season six, I'm left like, oh, wow, that came out of nowhere. Even though the writers probably had it planned, it just felt rushed. Agreed. Um, but it's also cute. I don't know if they'll be able to strike that work-life balance that Princess Carolyn had always been struggling with. So probably marriage counseling is in their future. Um, she's a little too passionate and he's a little bit too robotic. Maybe they balance each other out or maybe they have to learn to meet in the middle. It's true. He could be a grounding influence, but he also might come off as cold if she's really invested in something and he doesn't reciprocate. Todd works for princess carolyn now i think he's gonna be happy i think he's gonna be all right me too um i don't know what's gonna happen with his mom and his stepdad his adopted dad which makes him his like legal father now but um at least in his job and with his relationship to mod mod is almost too perfect like she is just a carbon copy of him um, they're going to be fine, probably. They're probably going to have, like, 12 children because she's a rabbit. But um, aren't they both hmm? ace? Oh, you're right. I was going to say, doesn't that sort of, like, if they have children at all, it wouldn't, yeah. It would be a, oh, 
no, they don't need to have children of their own because they like literally run the nursery at whatever Princess Carolyn's. Is it Vigor? I really can't remember what her studio her like because she was at when she was an agent. She was at Vim, so I think when she started her like management company it was called Vigor. Possibly. Maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, they run like the daycare center, so they don't need children of their own. They have everybody else's children. Right. Um, oh, that's so funny. That mod is asexual, but also a rabbit. <laughs> I never thought of that. I actually had not thought about it either until you just brought it up. Mr. Peanut Butter. Um, after the credits roll, I feel like he's actually going to relapse. You know, I think he's going to find a hot woman and, like, fall back into it. I don't think his character development was, like, permanently rooted in improvement. No. Um, not saying that's a bad thing. We all stumble. We all fall. We all backslide. Um, I think that's what's next for him. Because he hasn't faced nearly the adversity Bojack has. So his, like, rehabilitation can't be simpler. Right. I think. What do you think, Violet? I think I agree with all of them except one or two. Uh, go for it. As far as Judah and Princess Carolyn go, I think that it is going to be really rocky, especially at the start, because, like you said, they didn't have that build up. They don't know each other on a personal level. It's mostly a lot of work relationship stuff. Uh, and was Judah promoted to being director of operations? I literally don't remember. I've only watched the season once through, and that was a week ago. I think he was put as like the chair pre the chair director of operations for the actual um company i think they need to work in different places they can't be married and also work at the same company both as a leadership role because if there's any imbalance of power there that will leak into their personal lives and i think also princess carolyn even if she loves judah to death and they both do love each other to death uh they're both such independent people, especially Princess Carolyn, that they're going to want that time away at work to throw themselves fully into work and not have to worry about it on a personal, does this reflect me when I get home from work? Level. Okay, wait a second. On one hand, Princess character... <laughs> Princess character... Prince... Princess character... Princess Carolyn's entire character development was her learning to accept other people's help. So that's one thing I disagree with you. But on another hand, I do agree with you about them working together in leadership roles. Because at the end of season three, she fired him when he like overstepped her. And I feel like if they're both in higher roles, there's just more like opportunity for him to disregard what she wants because he thinks he knows what's best for her agreed and so like where diane and guy's relationship guy genuinely did overstep the role of agency because he did know what was best for diane because diane was not in a state to make those decisions right princess carolyn's not going to react like diane in that sense um princess carolyn's going to react much more aggressively to being overstepped um or subside or circumvented so i think they do need to find different works like they need to work in different places to main if they're going to have a healthy relationship they need to work in different places i agree um also the other one i have a contradiction with is i don't think Maud and todd will work out i don't think it'll work 
Uh, really? Really, because there's one scene that actually really kind of stuck with me, and it was innocuous enough that I heard, I've not heard anybody talk about it, but the scene where she's trying to telegraph to him that they should, like, move in together and that be a thing. Oh, like, right. he reacts really personally to that for whatever reason. Like, I know he's injured with his mom and um, his dad's, like... Well, Todd's an idiot. He didn't know what she was hinting at. Exactly. But, Connor, if he's that big of an idiot where he's going to react aggressively to a hint like that, I mean, granted, she can be more blatant and upfront with what she's thinking, but that actually kind of foretells a little bit of he's got some aggression that he needs to work out, which it might be subsided after solving things with his mom. But right. I, if I was in that situation... <laughs> Psychoanalyzing Todd, the most useless character on BoJack. Ain't that the truth? But, like, still... If I was Maud, I would have been real creeped out in that situation, and that would have been a huge red flag where I would have to reevaluate if I want to be here right now. Because <laughs> he took that really personally. Yeah, he's like, what am I supposed to do? Get a second girlfriend to live with? Like, no, you idiot. Live with the girlfriend you already have. Because yeah, he was like, that's so stupid. He's like, that's so stupid. I'm sorry, listeners, but I hate Todd. I really do. He Every time he was on screen, I felt like he was pulling away from something better. It's true. Like, And that's from season one on. Well, season one, he was okay. But every subsequent season, maybe season two, he was also okay. Because that's when he was still living with Bojack. And we needed to see like an immediate consequence to Bojack's actions. That's true. Really, season three onward, I just felt like... His role was redundant, and he never did anything of value except be hilarious. Agreed. He was outrageous for the sake of being outrageous. Also, like, asexual representation, that, I don't know how that sits with me. Interesting. Um, I do want to talk more about that idea, but... Before we do, we are getting actually pretty up there in time. I want to come back to one question that I thought of, and it's not on the outline for you, Connor. Yeah. What is your favorite episode of the entire series overall? Oh, the entire series? Entire series. Now that Bojack is done, now that Bojack is done, what episode sticks with you? That's too hard. That's too much, man. That's too much, man. Yowza, wowza, bo bowza. (laughs) <laughs> is that a bojack line yeah that was the little ethan kid oh um, he would always try I to make that line work and Google. like nobody liked it yowza wowza bobowza and everybody would just look at him like he's the biggest fucking dipshit in the world i'm looking through a list of every bojack episode ever would you like me to tell mine bef- as, while you look yeah well here's a callback mine is free churro my favorite episode of the entire series is a bot is a uh, bottle episode free churro because never have I like felt so many emotions from an episode of a show and never have I felt more character he was working some shit out by giving that eulogy for his mom and it was written so beautifully and so brutally that it may, it would match the tone of the show perfectly. It gave really honest commentary to his thoughts. And I just remember leaving that episode thinking, God damn, I was not ready for that going in, but I am so glad I encountered it. Like, some people would call it boring. Some would call it not great for television. But in terms of television being a writing-based medium, 
it was phenomenal and I loved it. No, I agree with you. Um, Cause it wasn't boring. You were kind of held in suspense the entire time. Exactly. Um, so here's where I'm stuck. No, I think I'm just going to go ahead and tell you what my favorite episode is. And it's probably going to be a very unpopular opinion. My favorite episode is when Mr. Peanut Butter is holding a fundraising event at his house. And it like sinks underground. (laughs) And all the celebrities are trapped there for like a week. You were very excited about that episode when it came out. Season four, episode seven, underground. I just thought it was so funny. I loved, like, all of the, like, actors playing themselves. Jessica Biel, Zach Braff. I loved the drama of Princess Carolyn and Todd, like, meeting the colony of ants who lived underground. Bojack and Diane, like, binge drinking in the bedroom while the rest of the celebrities were, like, wondering how they were going to, like, survive. That was... That actually was a really good episode. Um, I'm a I'm a simple bitch, you know. I love I love comedy. I love bottle episodes. Just put a bunch of people in the most absurd situation possible and watch how they react and I'm like giddy. We need to have a conversation during an episode uh, one of our episodes about structuring bottle episodes correctly to where they can actually be engaging for audiences. Perhaps. Because I have a few different examples that are not BoJack related that I think would be good. I'm going to miss BoJack. It was a, it was probably the most effective show I ever watched in my life. It was probably... I think it was a show that kind of reminded me what animation can do. And it made me... I left that show different than, than when I found it because I grew up with it. Uh, not grew up from a child, mind you, but... I started watching it in college and we finished it, you know, after graduating grad school. So it's seen me through a lot of years where I was formative enough to be dealing with a lot of the problems they dealt with. So it was great. I will miss it. And you only experienced it for the first time once. And it was it was worthwhile. I was so I'm so happy to have enjoyed it while it was coming out. Thank you, Raphael Bob Waxberg. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa Hannah Walt. Thank you. Thank you, every other person on the writing staff. Thank you to the actors. Thank you to Netflix. Thank you for the production studios involved. Thank you to the writing staff. Goddamn, you put so much work into that show, and it paid off. And just, as somebody who's a little bit of a writing snob, like, never, it was such a consistently good show. Like, you could... Even the episodes that didn't land, you could just feel how much care and cultivation went into it. Right. As a person who studied TV writing, I appreciate your efforts so much. And I feel like every episode did land. There were some that felt like they were filler. They were getting us to the next like major beat. But there was no episode that was bad. No, there was no episode that was bad. Some just weren't Except for the entire first half of season one. But that was intentional. That's true. Even the ones that didn't, even the episodes that were not as remember, remember, memorable, um, those episodes still did have value, and they still you could, you you could still resonate and find something to draw from. All right, love you, Bojack. Love you, Violet. Love you, fans. Bye. Bye. (laughs) 
here is the Paul Stretch version of that thing that we referenced at the beginning of the episode. Enjoy! Thank you. 